What's up, everybody? Welcome to Atlanta, where the players play, and welcome to the Big One Podcast. This is Baby G, and we've got a two-man show this week. Who else is on the call? Oh, it's B-Boy. It's B-Boy bringing Podcast Big One to you. I love the ATL opening. Now I see why you wanted to do the intro. Um, big big fan over here being an ATL kid myself. So, Two-man two man show this week. We got a new guy down in Cape Town, South Africa, showing us uh, some cool pics of some cars. Not sure where he was or what he's doing, but we're rolling with a uh, two-man crew this week on the Big One Podcast. So if you want to hit us up on Twitter, it's at PodcastBigOne. And if you want to send us an email with questions or just let us know how we're doing, podcastbigone at gmail.com. So this is the podcast big one. We talk motorsports, a lot of NASCAR, Xfinity, truck, uh, Formula One, Formula E, IndyCar, local tracks, anything that's on four wheels, we'll be covering it here for you. Who we got for a sponsor this week? Oh, we, we got King's Hawaiian Rolls because they're delicious and they almost won this week. And so... I want them to win in our hearts, which they always do because they are honestly the best like sandwich bread that you could potentially buy at any given point. So as we mentioned at the top of the show, we were at Atlanta. So this is the second year on the new reconfig. Second year, uh, we're still trying to wear down that uh, new uh, new asphalt. Mm-hmm. Do we want to start with truck and get into right into the recaps here? Break it down. Okay, gotcha. Well, for the truck race, I'll start with that one. Our stage one winner was Christian Eckes, uh, who actually had kind of run away with the whole first stage. Stage two, though, Matt Crafton, Matty C, getting it done. Love to see that. And then race winner, the guy who ran away with stage one, Christian Eckes, gets it done in Atlanta. Napa's home track, by the way, so that's pretty cool. Napa in, in at home, that's, that's, uh, that's always great. So a couple things I got to call out. So most interesting thing in... Uh, I want to say it was stage one. We've got Haley Deegan. She passes below the red line, and all of a sudden they throw out a caution, and the announcers mm-hmm. are super confused why. They weren't sure if it's because something was going on with the below the red line caution. Obviously not the case. And they kind of come back, and all of a sudden you see there's this huge piece of lead on the track. And one of the yeah. cars, I don't remember who, who hit it, but he actually just blasted it uh, front left of the bumper just got absolutely destroyed and the lead just goes flying so that was an amazing pickup by the uh, NASCAR team there the crew that seeing that piece of lead get hit and just go flying and then they threw the flag awfully quick so no one else hit it that was I don't know that I've ever seen that before you obviously see equipment fall off of cars all the time but I've never seen a big chunk of metal like that just sitting on the tracks so I don't know where that came off of or whose car it was but good call by NASCAR to get that caution in there yeah, so so I, I I was just trying to look to see who it was that the car that it came off of because they got penalized today um, because it's similar to losing a wheel. Um, those weights are are their very standard kind of issue. They can cut them and have them in different sizes, but those lead weights are what they use to kind of mess with the balance of the car. They have the ability to add some to the front right, the front left, and back rear uh, right and left. Um, basically, again to to kind of help the balance of the car, you know. Tracks with a lot of banking, like Atlanta, you're going to load a lot more on the left side, and specifically the front left, you kind of drive it down into the corner, um, versus uh, maybe a corner with less banking, you actually want to balance it out and have a lot more on the right rear, uh, keeps the car, uh, the right rear from kind of just like picking itself up off the ground um, and spinning you out, right? So um, that's kind of how they get used. They are 
supposed to be bolted in, I do believe. Um, that used to be the rule. I don't know if that's still the rule. Maybe they've got new ways of doing it. They, you know, flex seal or flex tape and all that company used to have sponsorship. Maybe they, maybe they flex tape it in now and that's why it fell out. But yeah, super weird. Not something you see very often, um, to have that fall off a car. So a couple other things for this race. So Lap two, right out of the gates, uh, the number 20, he slams into the wall super hard. So we get an early caution, no big deal. They got that one cleaned up pretty quick. Um, one of the things that was interesting was I saw two different times in this race. The first time it happened where the driver was going to make a pass, thought he was clear, clearly wasn't clear, and starts moving up and just drives the outside driver into the wall. The first time it was Riggs and Gray, they got tangled up. So mm-hmm. the first one on that, it was like absolutely boneheaded, not even close to clear. He was like not even halfway past, and he just starts sliding up like like he's in the clear and, and thought he had him. So I think that's got to be just inexperience of either spotter or driver. Or maybe these guys are just getting antsy on this super speedway type track. Um, second time it happened, a little bit later in the race, same thing. So guy just trying to get clear doesn't clear him drives him right right up into the wall and that kind of leads into my next point we've got a record cautions for xfinity atlanta which i don't know why we're calling this out on the broadcast record cautions um <laughs> kind of an interesting thing to focus on uh but um it's fitting it's fitting yeah it was unfortunate though i know we haven't really gotten fully to xfinity though but like none of them were really big cautions it was always like single car cautions Truck, truck series was pretty similar. Smaller cautions, not nothing too big. It wasn't until Sunday that we saw something, something that you could call a big one. Um, but yeah, do you want to you want to recap the Xfinity race? One more thing on the on that one more thing on truck right before we get there. So mm-hmm. the 51 Wood, he had an absolutely awesome car, so he was able to hold it down on the lower line. A lot of the trucks really weren't trying to do the low line; they were trying to stick all the energy seemed to be up top on the high line, and they were running real well and. And the Wood of 51, he just stuck with that low line the entire time. And it just seemed like if he got a little bit of help, he was going to be able to get that car up to the front. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually did. And then immediately Nemechek just comes up, taps him on the front left, and spins him out. It was like, man, what a good yeah, run. Yeah, and Nemechek immediately just comes, <laughs> taps him, and spins him out. Like, literally the first lap that he clears uh, that outside row. So, interesting move by Nemechek there. Um Seemed like it may have been a dirty move, but uh, it was cool to see someone was able to make that bottom line move. But end of the day, it's racing, right? You're you're racing for that top spot, and mm-hmm. and it was an exciting finish, even though the the race itself was a lot of freight training. It was an exciting finish to that truck race and a and a green white checkered opportunity. Yeah, the overtime was awesome. A little bit of wrecking in the middle, but really cool, uh, really good overtime, good clean racing until at the end they always kind of just go for it and you get that late late race wreck. But overall, I had a fun watching the watching the truck race. Cool. Uh, you want to recap Xfinity? Yeah, so Xfinity, let's jump right into the stage winners. So stage one winner, Sheldon Creed. Stage two, Parker Klingerman. And your winner was Austin Hill. Dude's on a streak. Three out of five right now. Killing it. And he's from the Atlanta area. So we've got Napa getting the Atlanta home track win. And then Austin Hill getting his home track win right there. Um, could something happen on Sunday that would be related? Uh, we'll find out later, but yeah, what what else did you see in that Xfinity race? I actually didn't catch a whole lot of the Xfinity race. I caught maybe the first 20, 25 laps or so, but then I had to bounce. I had uh, box tickets for WWE Road to WrestleMania, mm. um, so I had to, had to take one for the team, go watch wrestling, but we did 
get the race on in the suite, um, weren't really able to pay attention to it. We had a three TV setup in the suite, so we had two NCAA basketball games for the tournament, and then mm-hmm. uh, we had the race on as well. So did end up seeing the end of the race. Yeah, uh, maybe we should have flip-flopped who <laughs> covered which race then, because I ended up watching a good amount of the Xfinity race. Granted, I didn't watch it live. I did watch it on delay, uh, but I did watch a good amount of the Xfinity race, mostly because, like, you could skip through the cautions and you could skip through the, the, the you know, the wrecks, obviously, like, after they happen and all the replays and everything else. And so, actually, it was a very short race to watch if you do that. Um, and so, uh, that's kind of how I watched it. And it was in between the wrecks. It was pretty good. The most interesting thing is that the Xfinity car is, you know, been the hardest to drive. It almost is the best package in most weekends when we go racing. But here it wasn't. And I think it's just because it was so hard to drive at a track where, like, you have to stay in it, right? Um, and guys just kept spinning themselves out or or just being just slightly over the edge and then, you know, sliding up into a guy or getting slid up into, right? So, like, um, it was a wreck fest, uh, a long, long story short. Until we got to the final stage, it got a little bit better. And then we had a fantastic finish. The finish was potentially the best one of the week fantastic just like you said yeah absolutely yeah. we saw it uh, in the suite and we were like i'm like guys you got to turn away from the wrestling for a hot minute here because this thing minute. is getting spicy yep yeah and i i mean all, for those that did not get to see it or or let me let me try and make you relive it as i'm doing it with my hands um basically there's a car to the like just to the right rear of austin hill austin hill's leading there's another car that's in line behind Austin Hill, but at the back left rear of the guy in second place. Chain reaction, guy in third place clips the guy in second place, turning him down into Austin Hill, right into his right rear. Austin Hill, for all intents and purposes, should have ended up at 100 and whatever, 80 something plus miles per hour into the outside wall before getting to the start finish line. Instinctually, he must have just jerked that wheel left, held on, straightened it out, and won that race. But um, I forget, was it Parker Kligerman? Was he the one that finished the race backwards? Uh, someone finished the race backwards in like fifth. Um, so, and that was uh, that was the guy that was running second at the time. So it was pretty, it was pretty good. Um, really, really cool finish. I don't have a whole lot on this one other than another race with record cautions. Uh, Atlanta Xfinity, second race of the weekend, record cautions. But Oh, I missed that. So the truck race had record cautions too. I thought you were saying the Xfinity race truck, did. Truck and Xfinity both did. I gotcha. I gotcha. I thought, I thought you were trying to move on to the Xfinity race earlier. Okay, now it's making sense, people. All right. This is, this is a very professional podcast in case you've never listened to us before. Um, but yeah, Xfinity race, I thought redeemed itself, um, probably didn't redeem itself to the fans that were out there, but they got to see two races and overall would have been a pretty good day to be out there. But Sunday, tell us about Sunday, baby G. Sunday cup series. So we'll jump right in and give you the stage winners. Then we'll break it down a little bit for you. So stage one winner, Joey Logano, stage two winner, Austin Sindrick. And your race winner, same guy who won stage one, Joey Vagano. So this was a race where Joey Vagano had just a super strong car right out of the gates. He was dominating in that first stage. Um, I guess I can jump to the end here a little bit. So Keselowski mm-hmm. had a, a really good run this race. Um, Vagano just had a stronger car and made a move right at the end and passed him for the win. So 
Um, a couple other things I got real quick before you jump in with some commentary as mm-hmm. well. My uh, smart pick, I believe, for the week, either my smart or my heart pick, Bubba Wallace right away slams the wall super mm-hmm. hard, and he goes a couple laps really? down. He was able to get back out there and, and salvage, uh, I think, a 27 or 25, something like that, but at least not uh, a yeah. 34, 35, whatever it would have been if he couldn't get that thing back out on the track. So thank you, Bubba, for mm-hmm. saving me on my picks this week. Muscling um, through, muscling through. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is awesome, amazing, clean, green flag finish. Uh, it's refreshing to see. Um, and I thought the first half of the race was okay, but the second half, I was locked in. I was just glued to my TV. Mm-hmm. There was really good energy, um, really good, some some decent blocking. It's another one of these super speedways where they kind of just seem to be stuck two by two by two, not a lot of energy and not a lot of moving of the rows, which you don't always like to see that, but um, I thought they raced good. They raced hard and they raced clean, which I like to see to finish it off. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's take a step back here and talk about kind of like the domination. I mean, you read out stage one, stage two race winner, and they're all from one team. That team had their top three cars basically in the top three over 50% of the race. Um, as you said, they kind of do get stuck out two by two by two, like, you know, Rosa two. Um, but it's, it's even more impressive when you can get it done as a team like that. It basically meant everyone else needed to play as a team as well to beat them. And they didn't in the end, right? Um, at the end of the race, uh, obviously Brad K is part of a two car team. His, his teammate had wrecked out in that bigger wreck earlier. Um, and so at that point, who's his friend? He's racing a Ford. But the team of three Fords were the ones that were going to get by him. Joey Logano did end up making that move almost single-handedly, um, just the way that he timed it and everything. Um, but the rest of the race was really won with teamwork. The fact that Logano was there at the end was because they worked as a team until the end, um, which is just, I mean, that, that's, it's to be applauded, in, in my opinion. A couple of interesting or really impressive finishes. So Corey Joy takes fourth. This guy is a beast on the super speedway, and what he's doing... Specifically Atlanta. Yeah. Last year, he almost won, right? He got... What, did he yep. get wrecked out at got the end or just passed? By Chase. Yeah, Russ yeah. wrecked out yeah. by Chase. So, man, this guy's locked in at Atlanta, and it's, and it's awesome to see. This this guy's getting more funding from his team this year. They're putting more money mm-hmm. into the car, and they're kind of in this business model where, hey, we can't be running 25th to 30th anymore with the amount of money you know, we're spending on this thing. we got to be top 20 or better. And what Joey's been delivering for him. So it's it's really cool to see. There's been some speculation if, you know, did would Joey have any – was he fielding calls from Hendrick to go in uh, um, Kyra, the guy that injured um, Chase Elliott? Chase Elliott. Yeah. Yep. It, like, there was some speculation about that. That ultimately didn't happen. I, th- I don't think that's mm-hmm. the move for someone like Joey at this time. Like, run with your team, grow with the team, and really build something with Spire there. Yeah, I think it's it's even more complicated than that, um, or or definitely not as simple as that could be. As 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 nice as it sounds to be like, let me get the next best driver. Oh, it's a guy that's already racing full time. He has sponsors. He has obligations. He can't bring them to that other car. He can't defund the team that he's on. Like, there's contracts. Like, yep. I know people are playing around online. Like that might happen. That's just not the way it works. There are reserve drivers. There are people that they kind of have ready to go in these situations. I mean, guys call out of races sometimes morning of, right? You you don't pass concussion test the morning of a, a race or, or, or a fit test or whatever. 
um, that can happen. And so they do generally have someone that they could fill in with. I would say, like, if you're looking at other guys that potentially, like, could have filled in, Austin Hill's becoming a name that, like, <laughs> that will be up there for the Chevy teams. He races RCR, obviously, in Xfinity um, and, and will be putting um, some fire under the RCR or Richard Childress' grandson, that is Austin Dillon, for that ride very, very soon if he st- keeps up this hot start to the season. But, yeah, um, you know, Corey LaJoy, these are the races that they live for with Spire Motorsports. That all said, this is the best start to a season that Spire or Corey LaJoy has ever had, almost by, like, 40 points more than he's ever had at this point in the season. That's a lot. That's that's essentially, like, one top 10 finish, right? Like, that's a really, really, really good start to the season. So we'll see how it continues to play out. But right now, he's in he's in prime position. And his, and his teammate, Ty Dillon, is not doing terrible. Doing, like, I think he's behind, um, what's his name, that raced the 91 in the, the opening race? Uh, um, Travis Pastrana. I think he's still behind Travis Pastrana, and he's raced all five races. Not anymore. Pastrana's no? in 35th with 26 points, and Dillon, oh. or 26 points, excuse me, Dillon's got 31 so I mean, just, oh, just barely, just barely, right? Like just barely. barely. Yeah, Ty Dillon's what almost last place. Well, Justin Healy's technically last place because he lost yeah, hundred points. And PJ McCall, but yeah, that negative twenty-five right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, Ty Dillon is man. That's it's not the car. If not if not if uh, Corey LeJoy is doing that well. Um, anyway, um, my last comment, like the biggest thing that I want to say about Cup is uh, Eric Almirola continues to screw over Kyle Larson. Um, it is like, I think, is it three weeks in a row or three of the last four weeks? He's the one that wrecked while Larson was leading and like blew away the lead. And then Larson lost it on green white checkered. Um, he wrecked a, like lost the tire in front of the field this week and, and took out Larson. Larson was the first person he took out. It's getting, it's getting ridiculous. It's just racing stuff. I'm just, I'm, I'm poking fun, but, um, it's really interesting sometimes how guys just end up like magnets, like the Denny and Ross thing. They just always seem to end up together, and it, it sticks its uh, its its nose in there quite a bit. So, um, and then my only other comment is uh, about Joey Logano. Um, one car looked really good this week, like like really good uh, live livery on the on the car and everything. Um, and two, I think it's cool that he wanted Atlanta. He used to live in like a condominium there. I think they probably said that on the broadcast. I was recapping and not really listening. Um, but like he used to live there. He used to race the quarter mile track. I think he says that in his, his post race, but like, it's cool. It's cool when they finally win at their home track. And, and even though he's not technically from there, it's basically a home track for him. So I, I know it meant a lot. His dad running out there. That was really cool. Austin Hill's family running out on the track was really cool. And for the Xfinity race, if you didn't see his, I did not race, see the celebration. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Little, little children running across the grass to dad. Uh, it's, it melts my heart every time. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. A couple other calls um, real quick for me. So Ty Gibbs finishes ninth, his best uh, finishing cup so far. So nice job, Ty mm-hmm. Gibbs. And then Noah Gregson finished in 12th. Solid uh, finish for Gregson up in cup here as well. All right. Yeah, the rookie's starting to show out a little bit more. Um, you know, people are already uh, like, I think Ty Gibbs is going to learn very, very soon what expectations mean and, and how not meeting those expectations can turn on you very, very, very quickly. Um, good for him to get a good finish. Got to keep it up, though. That's that's one drop in the bucket of many, many, many that people expect out of him. So Yeah, good finishes, uh, consistency. That's what the expectations are now. Exactly. Noah Gregson, though, that's a good finish. But that team, you know, yeah, they got a win last year and, and proved that they can race up there. But 
rookie with a not so great team, 12th place, that's great. That's really good. Cool. Uh, on to storylines, eh? Yeah, that wraps us up from Hotlanta. Going to keep throwing Woo. in the uh, rap, rap themes yeah, all it. episode long yeah, here yeah. since we're coming off Atlanta. By the way, if we do go to Atlanta next year, this is for my Atlanta homeboys and homegirls, we're going to go to Magic City, which is a strip club, and we're going to get wings. It's not about the stripping. It's about the wings. They're the best wings in Atlanta. If you're from Atlanta you disagree with me, you're not from Atlanta. Um, but we're going to do that. Then we're going to go to racing. It's going to be an amazing day. Let's jump right into storylines here. Denny Hamlin with the new podcast this year. He's getting penalized because he's being honest. What's up with this? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, the Actions Detrimental podcast. Well, very, very aptly named, as everyone is pointing out. Um, yeah, he last week admitted to intentionally wrecking Ross Chastain, which, you know, most people could probably guess that's what happened. But he just comes out and he says, yeah, that's what happened. You know, I, I made him a, a decision. Maybe it was immature. Maybe it, maybe it was, you know, just uh, Ill, ill-guided. But I did it. Talked with Ross afterwards. We've squashed the beef. We're done. Shouldn't that mean everyone's done? Apparently not. NASCAR did penalize him. We added that to our podcast post-recording last week um, to make sure that we called it out. But we didn't break it down, man. And... I have strong opinions about this, but I want to hear what you what you're thinking about this. What I really want to know is, did NASCAR penalize him because he said it on the podcast, or did they have the data in the car that shows he let up or podcast. turned his wheel or whatever? Because I think he just said, "I just let go of the wheel and yep. blasted him into the wall" or whatever he did. So I I don't like that the penalty comes from the podcast if that is the case, which yep. it sounds like it is. I would like the penalty to be them seeing an on-track incident that they penalized him for versus a podcast. Agree, but I also don't think that that incident calls for a penalty, period. Like, getting one guy and smushing him into the wall is considered a racing incident most of the time. So if you disguise it, if he never says anything, they're not going to penalize him. Correct. They're not even close to penalizing him. They weren't even probably looking at it, you know? And, and the fact of the matter is, like, if you're going to say boys have at it, which is, you know, now at this point, that was like a 15, 20 years ago they said that. It was so long ago. I You know, who knows if that's still kind of the case. But if you're going to kind of let them play by the rules, then let them play by the rules. I think it's interesting that, like, in the middle of the week, Kyle Busch came out and said something along the lines of, like, nobody has respect for anyone out there. I, I used to try to talk to guys. I don't even talk to them anymore. It doesn't matter. Uh, he, he's right. Like, he's right that the guys are out there, especially the younger guys that are that have grown up, like, fighting tooth and nail for rides, having to, you know, Ross Chastain's a really good example of this. He, he lost his ride. We've chronicled his, his career multiple times on this podcast, so I'm not going to do that again. But he's he fights tooth and nail because he's always had to. It's the only way he got to cut. And so it's the only way he knows to survive. And a lot of guys race that way. At the end of the day, it seems worse because back when, when Jeff Gordon entered the sport and, and, you know, you had guys like Mark Martin and Dale Earnhardt that would kind of like bully you into being a gentleman on the track, they outnumbered you. At this point, the young guys outnumber the older guys. There's less sheriffs in town is the best way to put it. And, and because of that, this is just the way it races now. I think the guy takes you out. You have the ability to race him a little bit harder. You have the ability to do what Denny did and not affect anyone else's race, but take that guy out of a race. Um, 
you know, be as mature or immature as you want. NASCAR, stay the fuck out of it. Man, we got to get a heartbeat sensor on this podcast like we do on the broadcast because I can see that you're, you are firing <laughs> that thing up, man. You got to be plus 100 right now. What's going on over there? Take a sip of water oh, and uh, let's get into the next one I'll cool here. down. I'll so cool break down. this. Yeah, what, what, what? Break this next one down for me. I didn't see this until the next day. Josh Williams suspended for Coda. What is up? I mean, this thing is social media fire. Break it down for me. Yep. Yeah, so I didn't even want to cover this as part of the Xfinity race because like, it's a, like a very non-racing thing even though it happened during the race. But Josh Williams is involved in an early wreck, as everyone was, and is fixing his car. They've got bearer bond on it. These guys, with, with some of these teams that are less funded, they're not the the like the, the the Sunday pit crews, right? They're not fixing these cars perfectly. Sometimes parts are hanging off, the bearer bonds coming off, all that kind of thing. Well, they didn't fix it well enough. NASCAR said, "Nope, you didn't do well enough. Come down and do it again." They tried to do it again. Mm-mm, still hanging off. Something's hanging off. We don't like it. NASCAR says, "Come in and park it. You're done," which is their right as the sanctioning body. Josh Williams disagrees. Parks it right at the start-finish line, out on, you know, not on the track, on the apron. And it's still under caution, mind you. Gets out of the car and walks all the way down to uh, to his pit stall. Um, gave a little Taylor Swift heart, which I really enjoyed since I was at a Taylor Swift concert on Friday. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, became a social media darling because of it. So Social media darling, but unfortunately, he's not going to be going to Circuit of the Americas. He is suspended yeah. for one race. But hey, I mean, NASCAR, I, this is the type of exposure that, same of the Hail Melon, right? This is the type of stuff mm-hmm. that ESPN's going to pick up and get people talking about your sport, and who knows, maybe people are going to tune in in two weeks to see what Josh Williams is doing. You know what? I, I find, I have been on, since this has happened, I've, I've kind of flip-flopped back and forth thinking, that's a really immature, dumb thing. That was my immediate reaction. Thinking like, well, that guy's gonna just lose his ride. Period. Like, like his sponsors won't even sponsor him if he's gonna be like that. Um, to then thinking like, you know, NASCAR picks and chooses when to apply that rule. I remember Chase Elliott last year. I forget what race it was. Had a bumper hanging off his car for like at least 15 laps. But because it's Chase Elliott, nothing. They don't. They don't call him in. He didn't got to repair it. Nothing. They don't care. So I, there. I think there are ways in which you can kind of middle finger your way to NASCAR. And in the way that he did it was kind of a least interruptive way that he could have done it. Um, I thought it was interesting that people like Denny Hamlin stood up and were like, well, I'll pay your fine. But now that you just mentioned, this is the stuff that ESPN will cover. This is the stuff I don't want ESPN to cover. Like, I don't want this to be how people see NASCAR, right? Like, that, it's not a good look from the outside looking in. So now I'm, I think I'm back on... I think it's right for him to be suspended a race. But I also have learned a lot about the guy personally and how much he does for charity and everything like that. Um, he has a he has a shirt that says Park It on it. I just looked that up and saw it myself, the, yeah. The, yeah, the car. It's great. It's really good. Uh, very much considering buying one. Um, and, uh, and proceeds go to one of uh, the charity groups he works with, which is dope. All right, moving on from that one. So speaking of the Taylor Swift heart, Mike Joy with a big heart for the fans and the keyboard warriors. Mm. Like Mike Joy comes out on Twitter and he apologizes for his comment. He said it he shouldn't have done it. It's a very small subset of the Twitterverse that has those type of comments. And he did come out and say he likes the engagement from the fans on Twitter. And he got caught up in the moment of the negativity that you can see on social media and said, Hey guys, I apologize. Like 
I appreciate you guys. I love calling this sport. Going to formally apologize and hoping we could just move on from it. Yeah, and, and, you know, whether Fox made him do that or not, this is the Mike Joy that people like, right? This is the Mike Joy that, that, would, take, that would take responsibility for his actions, that does want to have the best broadcast, period. Uh, I still stand behind the belief that, like, I can't wait for... Mike Joy's a professional. He probably won't do this, but, like, post his career, I really would want to see what he would have to say about the Fox Broadcasting Group. Um, great for him to write a tell-all. I'll buy that book. Absolutely. Uh, the, would love the, to read that. The, yeah, hope the proceeds go to Josh Williams' charity, but... Um, yeah, no, I, it's great. Uh, it's it's cool that he apologized. I, I don't think it was necessary. You know, we talked about it. We said it's a bad look for them to do it. You know, just don't do it. <laughs> if they did it once and they, they didn't do it again, no apology necessary. I, we move on from these things really quickly. It's not a big fucking deal. So. Um, yeah, uh, that brings me right into what's going on this week in the booth. Kurt Busch and uh, Kurt Busch and Gunther Stein are in the booth this week. Do you know who Gunther is? I've got absolutely no clue. Enlighten me. Okay. Well, so Gunther is uh, he is the team principal for Haas F1 team, um, and he's awesome. He's just a really cool guy. He apparently has a home in Lake Norman, North Carolina, which is obviously pretty close to the Charlotte track. So he is American bound at least some of his time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, being part of Haas and, and, you know, going to Coda as an F1 track, he's got some experience and things that he can bring to the booth there. Um, I'm really excited for it. Granted, I think some of the best things about him are what people see on drive to survive and he gets to drop a lot of F bombs. I don't think he can do that in the booth. Otherwise Mike Joy's going to be typing. A lot I, I don't apologies. think he will be. Yep. <laughs> but we'll see. It's hard to keep those in if it's uh, part of your normal vernacular. So, um, Let's talk about McDonald's, man. Stick McDonald's. stick with me here on this transition. So you take that Taylor Swift heart, you split it apart oh, a little bit, it almost turns into an M. So you've got McDonald's, mm. your founding partner of the Chicago street race. <laughs> One of the absolute best suggestions I saw is, are we going to have the golden arches painted yes. for the choose rule? Ooh, that's nice, too. I just want the golden arches, like, over the track. That is what they're going to do at the start-finish line. I'm pretty sure there's going to be – I thought I read that there's going to be some sort of McDonald's golden arches at the start-finish line. But Can you stick with me for one second? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Wow. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think Um, it would be cool if – I don't necessarily think this is something that they should do every race, but, like, something like this. But just throw that McDonald's down on the choose rule. Get some – they're paying yeah, up to pay that, that much money let's just throw it on there you've got sponsors all over the drivers the cars everything else why not let's start the uh, choose rule yeah for those that don't know much about mcdonald's it did start in the midwest right and now they're i think it's their main headquarters and I, I don't think it's just their north american headquarters is there in west loop of chicago correct they do all their training there they have you been to that the the, the, the store that's there the mcdonald's restaurant have not been to the restaurant or the test kitchen or anything like that that's that's the cool part. If you're in Chicago, if you're going to go to that street race and you want to support McDonald's, it's not your normal McDonald's. That test kitchen is dope. They've got menu items from all around the world. It's really, really cool. Worth checking out. Um, yeah, what else is going on? Last piece of news we got this week. This just broke today. So Chevy is actually going to cease production of the Camaro in 2024, which led to some questions about what is Chevy going to do as far as their their car and Pacres came out and said in order for a manufacturer to race a model in NASCAR, they have to be in production and selling the car 
during the season. So it looks like we're going to be with the Camaro through 2024. And then Chevy's going to have to come up with something else after that. It would absolutely blow my mind if Chevy stopped being a manufacturer of NASCAR because they're they're the dominant team right now. That's absolutely not going to happen. But mm-hmm. who knows what they're coming out with. And I don't even really know any other Chevy sports cars that would be in yeah, the running they, for this. They've switched this car, by the way. You know, again, this is where... Uh, you don't know your hosts. Uh, I've been watching for a little bit longer, so I'm going to date myself here and uh, not date all the way back. But Chevy raced the Monte Carlo for forever, way before this, right? Um, and they've, they've switched out the model of car a number of times. Same with Ford. Ford has switched theirs out a couple of times. I think I think Toyota's always been the Camry. I don't think they were ever the Corolla or anything. But, but yeah, so, like, this isn't that abnormal. I think it, the scariest or weirdest part is that they are going to stop making the Camaro because I think it's a really great car. It's a really nice-looking car. had an X that had one and enjoyed it. Um, and, yeah. Uh, Corvette? I think that that's probably the, the obvious choice, cor- right? It is, but the, the, the body and the design of it will not look like a NASCAR stock car. So I think they will have to go with something else. I'm not sure what they'll choose. Um there also is always a possibility that GM, you know, General Motors is the owner of Chevrolet, that they switch it to an entirely different brand. Right. So it's not necessarily like Chevy leaves. It's like GM is still there, but they've got other car brands that they could plug and play with, right? Um, it would just be weird because they obviously they race Chevys at the other two levels too. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I doubt, this is going to be my prediction, I doubt they race the Camaro in 2024. I think this will be the last year of the Camaro. If they're going to stop making it next year, they're already going to be thinking about what they can move it to. The only reason that they would race it is if they were actually replacing the Camaro with something in 2025 and not having that other vehicle be available in 2024. So you hopefully. just you just blew my mind saying 2024 is next year. I was thinking we were two. I know, two, right? I was thinking we were two years away, but good lord, we're in 2023, boys. We're almost there. Almost there. That pretty much wraps us up for storyline. So, yeah. what's going on in some other series this week? Yeah, so uh, uh, did you watch F1 at Jetta? All right, well, it wasn't that great. <laughs> I wish New Guy was here to kind of tell us that it was better than I'm going to give it credit for, but I think he might even agree with me this week because he was right. Two weeks ago, at least the racing in the back was pretty good. This week, the only thing that was good about it was Max Verstappen coming from P15 and like racing through everyone. Um, but his car was so fucking fast, it, it just is, it's unfair. Granted, he didn't end up winning the race, his teammate did. Um, so that's nice, at least Max isn't going to win every race, but Red Bull will still probably win every race. Um, but exciting start to the race, F1 always has that. Um, one thing that I noticed about our broadcasts, and it's something that like in NASCAR, I like Mike Joy, I like Adam Alexander in Xfinity, by the way, we never call him out. That, does, that dude does such a good job with a different crew every week. They always have the drivers in and out. Joey Logano does a really good job in there. No matter who they switch and, and plug and play with, the drivers seem to do a pretty good job. That means Adam Alexander is a great teammate and a great announcer. Um, but what I really like about the F1 series is that even when it's boring, the announcers make it exciting. They just have it in their voice. They're screaming at the start of every race because that's the most exciting part, right? Like, And I, I wish we had that. And I think we do. It's just on MRN radio. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, the TV broadcasts seem relatively low energy, and you get on MRN, and mm-hmm. 
they're flipping around. They got the guys at straightaways in the corners. They're they're rip, ripping around to the different guys, and they're just like they're so good, so into it. And oh, this guy's charging up, and like you just feel the energy. And one mm-hmm. of the things I do like is you you hear more of the the car and the track. Like on the TV broadcast, they yeah. they seem to have that so low and drown it out. Mm-hmm. That would be one thing that I would change if I was. I'm certainly not going to be doing production for nascar or xfinity <laughs> truck anytime soon but if i was let's just not make that noise loud during crank it up let's let's have it where i can hear the cars during the race not mm-hmm. just the guys blabbering gibberish especially when you get down to crunch time like like i want them to get those little the football satellite things that they have to get the like sound of the, hits the boom mics or whatever they're and called I, yeah yeah and i want them to like just point it at the top two that are like the guys chasing the other guy down and I want to be able to hear them as they go off into the corner and the other guy behind him, like, lets off slightly later. You know, he's trying to run him down. Like, I want to hear that. And then have Mike Joy or Adam Alexander or whoever have to talk over it and have a natural, like, energy and, and excitement to their voice because they, they have to. Like, that's the only way you're going to be heard. I, I agree. That's a, that's actually a really, really good call out. Um, moving right along, Formula E, we come back uh, to our fourth race of the season. I think fourth race of the season. We're in Sao Paulo, Brazil. That's going to be fun. Um, you know, I, I don't really know much about it besides the fact that they're going to Brazil and it's Formula E, and I'm excited about it. It's Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern if you want to tune in. Um, the last race I watched was really good. The highlights of the other two races I watched were really good. I'm excited. I'm probably going to watch it. We got a snowstorm coming into my uh, area of the woods on Saturday Boom. between 7 a.m. and 3 p.m., so might be on the couch watching some FE this weekend. Nice. Yeah, what's going on with local tracks, though? Local tracks? I've got no knowledge of local tracks. What's going on with yours? Oh, okay. <laughs> I really thought, yeah, I thought that this was maybe here because you had something local that you were going to talk about. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I don't got anything locally either. Uh, Portland Raceway is not getting used uh, right this second. A little, little bit cold here in the to... Midwest still. Yeah, yeah. We are about to turn that corner, though. You know, April's really when you start to get stuff to start to go, you know, and they, they have a couple races before Memorial Day. Um, so definitely worth checking in, um, especially since I'll be in the southeast during the month of May. I'm going to gonna have to see. I can go to my very, very local track, Linear Motor Speedway, and see what the fuck is up. Yeah, it looks like um, I got April 23rd until my local track's kicking it off. So got a, nice. got about a month here till we uh, start going green flags on Sunday nights. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I think that wraps it up for the last week. Let's talk about this upcoming week. Where are we headed? COTA, Circuit of the Americas, down in Austin, Texas. And we've got a little mm. bit of a change this year. So we've got no breaks for stages. And we're also doing the choose rule on restarts, mm-hmm. which not sure what the intent of the choose rule is because I don't know if you need that well, at a, a – road course but we'll see we'll see how it works out i think you do i think it was crazy that we didn't have it from the get-go i i remember when they first brought the choose rule and they're like no road courses i'm like it makes the most sense at road courses i think super speedways is the one place that you shouldn't do it because there shouldn't be a distinct advantage and you shouldn't be able to like line up behind your teammate kind of thing but literally at at road courses if the first three corners are right handers you want to be on the right side the inside okay i'm on board i'm on board yeah, it makes sense. Oh, I'm just getting so fired up. Uh, but uh, what what times are we racing? What are our states? You know, stages. What are we doing? What are we doing here? At Similar to last weekend, we've got a double header on Saturday. Trucks at 1:30 Eastern. The XPEL 225. 
no stage breaks, we'll still break it down for the points. Uh, 12 stage 1, 14 stage 2, 16 stage 3. Uh, Xfinity Saturday at 5 Eastern. Pit Boss 250, we got 14 stage 1, and then a clean break of 2 and 3 at 16 apiece. Cup on Sunday, 3.30 Eastern Time, Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix, 15 Stage 1, 15 Stage 2, and then a nice long 38 for Stage 3. I'm mm -hmm. a uh, big, big fan of the no stage breaks. Let's let's keep running. Let's still award those stage points for who's leading at the uh, you know marked, marked number of laps, but I don't see any reason to slow yeah. down and drive around for 10, 15 minutes at whatever uh, caution speed is here. Let's, let's keep it moving. Well, let me let me tell you what we're gonna see because we're this is the first road course, obviously, of the year, but we've got a lot of them. What you're gonna see is you're gonna see guys that are going to break this thing down. We just broke it down into 15, 15, 38 for Sunday, right? That's not the way they see it. They see it as 68 laps. I need two pit stops potentially. I'm gonna do one at 21. I'm gonna do two at 43, and I'm gonna do the last one a little bit longer. I'm, something like that. I'm I don't have my calculator out. But they're going to break it down like that, and it's going to get really spread out. And uh, if there aren't full full uh, course cautions to bunch everyone back up, you're going to see some very spread out racing uh, back to the way that it used to be. Diehards are going to love it. Um, new fans, you know, uh, they're going to have to learn to love it. <laughs> let's hope, the, uh, let's hope I, the broadcast makes a focus on the strategy, not just yes. don't just yeah. be kind of meandering through the field. Let's talk about who pitted when. What, their, what the thought process may be up behind that, and give me not just the top two or three guys. I want to hear strategy for someone that looks like they're way behind, but they may have done a different mm -hmm. strategy that they're hoping for something to happen. Like, please, please give me a broadcast where you're explaining this to me, because I have only known road courses with the stage breaks, so I would love to get some technical knowledge on what's happening here in this race. Yeah, now here's my wish list. Fox has been adding things. We talked about the little the little uh, race breakdown with the greens and the yellows and the stage breaks and stuff. We like that. That's cool. They also broke it down where they now have a a you know like the shot clock kind of shot of the um, the caution light as you're going into the last lap, so that you can see right when the caution light goes on. If it were to have a caution, they did that maybe just for Atlanta because Atlanta could have a caution basically at any moment. Um, those are great additions. Fox, if you're listening, Mike. I'm not on a keyboard, but I'm pretty close to one. Please listen to me. I think what they need to do is if the race gets a little spread out, they need to do F1 style where the seconds that they're displaying next to a person's name is how far they are behind the person in front of them. So if the first person is like one second behind the, or one second ahead of the second person, it's one second on the second person. The next one is three seconds, meaning he's four seconds behind the leader, but three seconds behind second place. And then what they need to do is do little arrows, green green up arrow or red down arrow to say it's getting dis he's distancing. He's not getting closer to the guy in front of him, or he is getting closer to the guy in front of him. It's a great way for the fans at home to be like, my guy's catching him. He's getting closer. I hope they bring it in because he's gonna he's gonna get there. You know, that's my 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 dream Fox broadcast. Please listen to me. This is gonna be this could be really cool if you do it like that. Would love to see that as well. So let's jump right into previous winners here. 2021, uh, Chase, Rain Shortened. 2022, Ross Chastain. So that was the first track house team and driver win. Yep, yep, it was. Cool. I think that brings us to our smart and hard picks, eh? Let's do them. All right. Well, as per policy, anyone missing because they're in South Africa 
are not allowed to pick in their position. They will pick last, meaning they're smart in their heart picks. Will um, There will be at least four drivers missing from those. Um, and let's break it down. Let's talk about where everyone did last week. One one person had the best finish ever um, with uh, picks of Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney. I am honored to say that I had an average position of one since, well, we count first place as a negative five. So um, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to run away to the lead with it. That was nice. Currently, our average, my average is at 14.5. Baby G, your average is 15.3. That's good enough for third place, and new guy's average is 15.1. Right there, sandwiched between us, but it's a tight pack. We have caught each other. It's a tight pack after five. It's a super speedway race right now. We are pack racing in our Spartan Mm -hmm. hard picks. Love it. All right, well, you get to pick first with that that beautiful 15.3. Who you got? Smart pick going Truex, the number 19. Mm, Good pick, really good pick. Really curious to see if Toyota can pull it out on, and, and kind of return to some performance. It's early in the season, obviously, but uh, I'm curious. I'm curious to see if he can do that. Um, I'm going to go with that number eight car, Kyle Busch. Uh, that car won a couple road courses last year, and Kyle Busch is pretty dang good at these as well. Kyle Busch will be my pick for a smart pick. Who you got for your heart? Heart pick? I'm going the 17, Chris Boucher. Mm, he's got the old some, bush boy got some good stuff on well, road courses in the past did a little bit of research mm-hmm. this week because i don't know a whole lot about who's good on the road and who's good uh you know on the ovals here so going with uh boucher got a good feeling all right well i'm gonna go with the guy that's got back-to-back top fives and was winning in that eight car last year that's tyler Reckon in the 45 that's my smart pick for those that don't follow us every week our smart picks have to be outside the top 10 in points um, but both of those are very solid picks regardless. So i um, excited to see how this works out. We'll see what new guy ends up picking and we'll cover it next week when we recap. So um, I think that brings us to my favorite section, which is rapid fire. Jump in with a rapid fire here. So we've got, as I mentioned earlier, the record breaking cautions, not only Xfinity, also truck at Atlanta. What do you think the reason, reason behind this is? Is it just inexperience of drivers or are these young drivers just losing respect or being reckless out there? Um, they're all qualifying factors, I would say. I would say inexperience is probably the greatest factor. Um, the Xfinity cars are just hard to drive. I'm going to put that one out there, too. That probably is why we saw so many in Xfinity. Trucks are going to truck. <laughs> the, you've got some experienced guys out there, and even they're making mistakes. Um, they're just That's just how you drive those trucks, I guess. Um, but you can see when you get to Sunday that that really, really great clean finish. Brad Kay even said it in his interview. He said, look, I could have wrecked him. You know, I, this is not verbatim, obviously, but he basically was alluding to the fact that he could have wrecked him. He could have doored Joey, sent him into the wall. He did throw a pretty good block. And then eventually, you know, IndyCar or F1 rules said, if you can get to the, that position that's still outside of me, it's yours and we'll race to the line. They race to the line clean, and that's what happens with these guys that are that are at the top of their game. Um, and you just don't you just don't see that on Saturday or Friday. So yeah, Kozlowski um, had to go for that block because if you recall, he was on those old old tires. He mm-hmm. was hanging on for dear life at the end of that race. And like you said, he he threw a block. It it kind of worked, but then Logano just had the move and the run. And in Xfinity or trucks, sometimes you see these guys just panic, and like you, like you said, they would have just doored him. 
wrecked mm-hmm. the entire field out, and then what are we doing? Like another overtime. But uh, the Cup guys got a lot more experience. They know that that's not the move. You've clearly got equipment that's the tires are old. You try to make the block. If it doesn't work, that's fine. Like you take second and, mm-hmm. and you take home the points. You take home a nice payday for your team and yourself. You move on with life, right? You don't you don't wreck the entire field and and junk a bunch of cars. So I'm I'm with you. Yeah. I think it's just mainly an experience. Yep, agreed. Um, cool. Uh, my rapid first rapid fire question is: Drivers seem fifty fifty on this new Atlanta. Some of them really hating it. Justin Allgaier just laid into it um, this past week. Um, but some people seem to like it. I can't tell if they're liking it because uh, you know it's it's exciting for the fans or that they in- genuinely enjoy it. But basically. Almost unanimously, everyone misses old Atlanta. So, like, is it right to continue to change tracks because we don't get fans to show up there um, to to potentially potentially just take a swing at getting better racing action? Or should we be exploring new tracks that just aren't on the schedule yet, but they're already out there? Like, should we continue to change over these Californias and these Atlantas, or should we leave them alone for what they were? Ooh, juicy question there. I like it. Um... I like sticking with the history and, and the tracks as they are. Um, you know, the SoCal market, Fontana, that's an interesting one just because they got so much money for that that it seems like a no-brainer, but mm-hmm. it seems like the drivers are not super pleased with Atlanta so far. I don't know if that's just because the pavement is so new and there's kind of one groove, two groove racing, if that's going to change over time as the track wears down. But um, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> I heard a lot of people on a lot of podcasts this week saying, man, Atlanta used to be fun. And now it's just kind of a baby Talladega, baby Daytona. We're not in love with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know, man, if you can't yeah. get these drivers and teams on board, are the fans going to show up just because it's super speedway style racing in Atlanta? I, I don't know. Like, it looked like a pretty good crowd this week, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm. I, I, I don't have a good answer to this one, to be honest with you. I, I don't know what the right answer is. I think, like you said, the California thing makes sense because of ulterior decisions, right? Like, to make that make that extra money off the land. For Atlanta, I mean, I think they were just like, look, this track is going to fall the way of Rockingham, right? Like, like, we're down to one race. People aren't going to that. Even if the drivers love the track, if you can't get butts in the seats, sorry, drivers, but you're wrong. You're just automatically wrong. They are driver entertainers sometimes they're more drivers sometimes they're more entertainers at the end of the day if they have no one to entertain they're nothing they're not they're neither basically so i think if you can't get butts and seats it's okay to make a big swing at a change for a track but you're gonna want to make sure you don't stray too far away should we be at atlanta twice or should we be at atlanta once and be going back to north wilkesboro for a points race that's what i would like mm, to do spicy so we talked a little bit about Chevy dropping the Camaro. What maker model of car do you want to see in NASCAR? Just could be absolutely anything. What what do you want to see run out there? I'm gonna I gotta make sure I get my model right. Yeah, I used to be such a car guy and now I don't like fucking anything. Man, I drive a Ford Fusion. Um, I am the opposite of a car guy. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I I have a Mazda and a Kia at home. I actually like if I could have anything, I would love to see like a Kia Stinger out there. I think that would be a pretty cool car to have out there. Um, I don't know. Honda's always Honda and Nissan have always kind of been in that rumor mill, and so my brain immediately went to Honda. 
But now that I'm thinking about it, I just want a Subaru Impreza WRX. I think Subarus could be interesting out there, man. For me and the trucks, let's get that Chevy Avalanche out there. That that sweet back end of that truck, that plastic, that stuff's going to be flying off all over the place. Chevy Avalanche. (laughs) You don't want to see a Cybertruck out there? (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a good question. I like that. Um, and, and too bad new guy wasn't here for that one i feel like he would have crushed that maybe we'll bring that one back next weekend as a bonus one for him yeah just just for him just for him yeah cool um all right well my last rapid fire question is well in the state of texas they have the circuit of the americas they have the tower of the americas in san antonio and the cowboys are thought of as america's team in some ways is texas america or is it another state? I've been to Texas a couple times, and it is like you're in a different country, man. They play by their own rules. They play it kind of fast and loose. Did you just? Are you describing American? Yeah, like culture absolutely. Right now? But yeah. I mean, you go to Texas, and it's just like holy shit, yeah. man. You go to a parking lot, and there's 400 trucks, and there's like two mm-hmm. sedans and one SUV. It's absolutely insane. Like. <laughs> Ford yep. is making an absolute killing down there in Texas. Wouldn't surprise oh, me if yeah. that was like 25% of their sales across the continental U.S. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I So I was kind of teeing you up here. I was curious if you'd be like, fuck no, it's not Texas. It's Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin does have Road America. So, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of taking a namesake there. Um, yeah. I If I had to say what state is like the most American I feel like I'd have to just pick like a heartland state. Iowa. Maybe, maybe maybe Iowa, maybe like West Virginia, honestly. Like something very middle um would be probably my pick for like what is America's state, but there's there I mean there are racetracks in West Virginia. I'm going to say that before I get chastised or something. Um but you know, not not really like, you know, Tower of the Americas, not Coda out there, right? So Texas just has that stuff and that's why they get to get the those monikers, I guess, but um yeah cool cool i think that brings us to the end of rapid fire which brings us right into our favorite segment which is baby g reads the standings coming in for the second time this season i warmed up got one under my belt let's see how we do on number two so we're breaking down nascar standings after atlanta heading into coda number one joey vagano with 177 points Second place, Christopher Bell, just one point back, 176. Ross Chastain in third. Ryan Blaney in fourth. Brad Keselowski, sixth. Kevin Harvick in, excuse me, Keselowski in fifth. Harvick in sixth. Kyle Busch in eighth. Martin Truex at eight. Kyle Busch is in seventh. Uh, Denny Hamlin, nine with 140. Daniel Suarez, 10, 129. Austin Sindrick in 11th. Good old Ricky Stenhouse in 12th. Chris Boucher, one of my picks this week, in 13th. Corey Wajoy, good start to the season, as we mentioned, with 113 points in 14th. Tyler Reddick at 15th. And Bubba Wallace rounding out your 16 with 102. Yeah, so Bubba technically in 16th, but he wouldn't be in a playoff position because um, uh, William Byron has those two wins back down in 28th. Um, things that I see that really stick out to me. What a great start to the season for Brad K. Fifth place, man. The, the, 
Those RFK Fords couldn't buy speed last year, especially early in the season. Later in the season, yeah. Um, Christopher Bell ended the season so hot. Started off just as good. The fact that he's in second spot, one point behind, I don't know why I'm surprised, uh, but he is by far leading the Toyota like like brigade. Um, other things that I see here, uh, like you said, Corey LaJoy, great. Spires in a playoff position. Who's to say they won't stay there? Now, I think there are going to be a lot of different winners, and so you know, you're probably going to have to do a little bit better than that, if not sneak in a win yourself, but that's pretty dang, dang good. Um, and then lastly, just want to do Hendrick watch, basically. I'm, I'm always going to want to take a look and see where they're all at. Alex Bowman's in 20th. He's leading Hendrick Brigade with, 100, with 85 points. So really, maybe just one, two races out of getting back to a playoff position for him, uh, which is... Uh, Means those hundred points, they're 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 significant, but Hendrick's gonna overcome them for sure. I don't got any other call-outs on the uh, standings there. You broke it down pretty good for us. Thanks. That's been Baby G reads the standings, and I think that brings us right to the end of our episode, does it not? Yeah. So, like we mentioned earlier, podcast big one on Twitter. Any emails, podcast big one at gmail.com. So, this has been Baby G. Knock if you buck. We're walking it out. What do you got for me, B-Boy? <laughs> that was great. No, that was good enough. I, I was going to maybe shout out a couple different Atlanta places, but I like, to, I like to go out just like that. Thanks for joining us. Uh, like you said, hit us up on Twitter. Let's have some fun, y'all. We're going racing at Coda. See y'all next week.